0: When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Good afternoon. This is uh, Mark Ludlow. You're on the Fearless Mindset Podcast, and we have your friend Thomas here, who is a good friend of friend of yours, and he brought you guys in and. uh, um you know our backgrounds and i just just so you know um to create a storyline i just had chris harris on he spent 25 years on the border and we're talking about the cartel and stuff and thomas said hey yeah let's bring in my my buddies that we're in the cartel and and we just want to hear your kind of a story background what you guys did and what do you think the u.s can expect with the open border coming what's your expectations for the audience that we have an open border we have a crisis down there what do you guys see happening on the streets of America in the next let's say six months to a year? What's was it what do you think is gonna happen?
1: Uh more drugs. Definitely more drugs. More crime.
0: And they're gonna be a lot more uh a lot more homicides because there's gonna be turf wars. Oh yeah. Or... Okay.
1: Well yeah, there would there would definitely be turf wars, you know. Uh bringing drugs into the streets of uh Los Angeles or any other streets is going to cause a lot of crime, and with that, it's going to come murders, Um extortions. You're going to have more prostitution, so it's not good at all.
0: And you say prostitution. uh Are we going to see more uh, child sex trafficking coming in because of the prostitution? That's big money. I hear you probably know more about that.
1: Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't as far as as far as that. I've never got into that, so I yeah. can't speak on that. You know. But, um, you know, just the prostitution itself, you know, with the cartels and the street gangs, it's just not all about the, the cartels, but the street gangs get involved because now they're making money and they're hiring these street gangs to do hits.
0: Wow. Now, what was your role when you were in, in the gangs? What was your roles in there and what did that look like? I mean, were you in fear for your life daily or what did that look like?
1: Oh yeah, well, so you get desensitized to fear. You know, I was, I was involved with the Mexican mafia and um, I was a shot caller. So I was a shot caller in prisons and I was a shot caller in the streets. And um, yeah, every day, every day you never knew if you were gonna come home. But living in fear, you couldn't do that. You know, you get desensitized to everything that goes on around you, because there's times where you might have to kill your best friend, you know, and you can't have no mercy.
0: So either you're gonna live or someone else is gonna die,
1: one of the two. Yes, exactly, hey, exactly. It's, it's either gonna be me or him, and going and, and just like the cartels, it's, it's, it's no different except the cartels more like a big business internationally. It is as to right. a, absolutely as to Mexican mafia. It's more localized, but up and down throughout California and also through other states. You got the state and federal prisons, so it's starting to expand, but. Not on that level. Um, Mexican mafia and the cartels sometimes go hand in hand. You know, when when it comes down to business or when it comes down to assassination hits.
0: Wow, and the assassination attempts are usually typically given a green lit on different people that are refusing to pay extortion money or rent or you know whatever those business exchanges. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they get green lit or green lighted. You know. Because uh, they're failing to pay. They don't want to – or they get caught with the drugs. Um, They're telling. Um, uh, Let me see. There's just many – there's a variety of different reasons. Sure. A lot of reasons. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. You just might have an up-and-coming who just doesn't like you from a previous uh, argument that you had, and now he's in that power. He finds a way to get you hit, and it's done. No questions asked. So just a matter of point of a finger, look, and it's
2: done. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Just pointing the finger be like, yeah, he's out. Um, I'm wondering, what was it? um, Because we know that you're, uh, well, actually, I'll let you introduce yourself first. And uh, so go ahead and just, if you can tell us a little bit about your background and why you got into this
1: and why uh, you got out. Okay, so, uh, you know, I grew up in a good family, you know? I got, I got family on both sides of the law, on the good side and the bad side. Those who work for law enforcement, those who work for the correctional Department of Corrections, and, um, and those who just uh, reside in Department of Corrections. You know, it was the choices that I made. I started off when I was probably about 10 years old, um, hanging around with just kids, you know, throwing rocks at cars, things escalated. I had friends who were in gangs. I got involved with the gangs because of my friend. You know, um, I used to kick back with him a lot. He was a couple of years older. I was easily influenced. I had a lack of education. And these were the decisions that I made. Also had, you know, I had family that would tell me, hey, don't do that, but I didn't listen. Um, you know, I was involved in a lot of shootings. Back then it was drive-bys, a lot of beatings of other gang members. Um, I ended up in prison, and then in prison, that's when I got introduced to the prison gang, which was Mexican Mafia. And it all started with, you know, they had to, you had to earn their trust. They need to know who you are. You know, I was only 17 years old in prison. You know, so I was in a, I was in a man's world, literally, knew nothing about, and I'm going to be honest, I was scared. At that time, there was fear, you know, until, you know, they started taking me under their wound. And, you know, taught me all the ways, how to talk, how to live in prison. Things you do, things you don't do. And um, I started off with, you know, there's a knife, there's drugs, transport it, carry it, take it. You know, um, little things like that escalated because they want to see if they can trust you. You know, uh, some of my lessons in prisons were I was taking a knife fight. I seen these two guys, they had knives strapped to their hand, literally strapped. They were tied up so that the knives didn't come off and they attacked each other. At the end of all that took place, I asked, what was that for? That's how you handle personal disrespect. You know, uh, um, anytime you had, there was disrespect like that, it was dealt with knives. You know, you were going to try to take the other person out or he was going to try to take you out if nothing was talked down through the higher ups. Another lesson was I was told to look in a certain direction. This guy is working out. The guy walk, casually walks by, drops weight on the head. The guy lives. The the reason for that lesson was always keep your word. So those two lessons there, I made sure that I didn't mess those up. You know, I learned very quickly in prison on how to live. And little by little, I just got more involved because now I wanted to be like them. I looked up to them. You know, I was young. I soaked everything up. And they took, they use that to their advantage too. So I went through the prison system, went through the security housing unit, which was a shoe. I was back there in uh, Corkland shoe for years. Did a lot of uh, administrative seg- administrative segregation, which is called that seg, also known as the hole. You know, um, been back there for, I've, I've been back there for, being under-investigated for making knives. Those are all the things that they teach you how to do. You know, you, you learn to make knives, where to hide them, how to hide them, how to use them, what certain, body, uh, what certain points on the body are good kill shots, you know?
2: Definitely. So, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a they just talk about crime. You go in with a, a, an associate's degree in crime and you graduate, you know, from prison with a PhD in crime, right?
1: Yes, that's exactly what it is. So, you know, then then when I got out of prison, it just, you know, it's like you said, I graduated. Now I'm on the streets. So now I have all this knowledge that I had in prison just directed toward the streets now. So now I know how to... Uh, uh, in the criminal world, there's, there's different ways we talk to people, right? So in prison, they, they get you ready for this. And they also there's certain books that they want you to read that they use, you know, they're influential books, you know, like uh, The Prince, Machiavelli, or um, uh, Miyamoto, Miyamoto Musashi, The Book of Five Rings. You know, all these, those are just two of the few that I can mention that, that we use for like indoctrination phase, you know, and we study these books. We study books on psychology, um, and business, and we carry it on to the streets. In the streets, then you start organizing people, and um, drug trade deals, working with other working with other gangs. And everything is done through um, you gotta when when dealing with other people with dealing with other gangs, we always had to be forceful, but respectful because they had to know that if they don't do the things that require of them, they will be killed and there's always examples that are being made all the time and there's a history of it i just i just didn't come into this doing this this was already being done so they're aware of it i'm just someone who comes to enforce it
0: wow that's a good movie right there life story
1: yeah, there's definitely yes. a
2: lot. there's definitely a lot there's um um something you brought up earlier about you know you you were afraid when you were entering, which I think any 17-year-old, even an adult male like, going into a prison for the first time would be afraid. But you said you learned yeah. how not to be afraid. And that, I'm assuming, was in prison. So how did that happen?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you know, the way that was taught, I mean, it, it's just shown it's something that you have to develop because, I mean, not everybody can make it. You know, they might just hit the yard and try to make a quick U-turn and, and be in fear for their life. Now, I'm sure everybody has those feelings, but it's something that's developed inside you where you just you just don't care. You know, um, you know, to commit crimes to begin with, obviously you don't care about yourself or those that you victimize, right? So it, it's already there. But going into a prison, now you're just, like, trapped within these walls where there's so much that goes on, and you can get killed for so little reason. And it's just not by your race, it's by other races, you know, and, you know, there's certain spots that you can walk in that are considered blind spots that you don't want to get caught by yourself. And there's times where you do have to be alone. If you got a a, a pass to go on a, a visitation or, you know, you're going to work at a certain time, you know, you just have to walk like if it happens, it happens. If I die, I die. It's meant to be. It, it's a it's a messed up it's a messed up mindset to have to have to live like that, knowing that you feel the intensity every single day, walking out your door. You had to be aware of your surroundings, keeping your head on the swivel at all times because you never know when it's your time, whether it's going to be a riot. Um, you know what you do, so if you know you made the mistake in something that you shouldn't have done by um, uh, skimming off some money. Uh, just anything you disrespect to someone, you know, you got something like that coming, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that's just developed. It's kind of like, you know, law enforcement, right? You know, of course you you can't live in fear every single day, but you're aware of it. You know, these things can happen, you know, or, or those who serve our country, you still going out there with that courage and, and, with the mindset, you know, I'm here to protect my country. I'm here to protect and serve the people around you. And you develop these types of things and, and you, um, you just, you just put it to the forefront of your mind that this is just how it has to be.
0: Great. Yeah. Great. Great examples there. And from, um, being that I had Chris Harris on not too long ago, um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts? What are the weakest points the, in the U S border has in a, you know, the drug, distribution channels and being attacked is there i hear people wondering well the cartel is going to attack u.s soil but um i think from what i'm hearing is the cartel is more concerned about making their money off their drugs than, and in doing a full-blown invasion in the u.s soil that's i don't think that's not going to happen i think there's
1: a lot of conspiracy theorists about that what, what are you yeah, I, I don't think i don't think it would ever be a full-blown i mean the borders border crossings has been going on since ages right you know 30. you know and, it, and it's always been about drugs it's always been about drugs. This yeah. is where they make all their money, right. you know. Um, the drugs just been coming in through the borders, through our oceans, through the through just the California borders. Um, no one ever mentions Canada too, you yeah, know. So there's mind. different routes, and it's, and it's all done through the. I'm not saying it's Canadians. I'm just saying cartels use all these different routes, and it's to get drugs here. You know that's how they make their money. I mean, if you just follow. Uh, some of the case with Chapo All that will tell you right there yep. You know, it's all about It's all about making money um, But it's still street terrorism Terrorism,
2: yeah, right?
1: Good point So, you know it, it's, it's, it's bringing drugs To our land That is messing up Our families, people we know Whether it's indirectly or directly You know, it's victimizing us
0: and I also heard that Hezbollah and Hamas had training camps over in Mexico that working with the cartel and doing tactical stuff. Is that more for training the cartel to be more effective combatives with other cartels for power control distribution well, than anything else? Or what do you think? On that? I don't,
1: I don't know too much about that, but I mean, sure. you know, just, just a, a lot of the cartels, I mean, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be trained because a lot of them are police officers. A lot of them are, are retired uh, um, military officers. So yeah, you know, if they're building this organization, the killings and the shootouts that they have, I mean, they're going to have those that are around them to protect them, their territories, to be well-trained in these tactics.
0: Makes sense. I heard the Zetas are a special, used to be former special forces for Mexico. They went over to the cartel side to make more money, which makes sense. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah Absolutely.
0: And the Mexican government is so corrupt. You know, it, America really thinks by arresting El Chapo and putting him in prison is going to stop everything. No, nah, they're well-organized.
1: No, 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 it's well-organized, and, and this has been going on since the beginning of time. True. You know, so you take one down, you know, another one comes up, take him down, another one's going to come up. They're always giving each other up. You know, that's clear. Yeah. You know, that. that's the only time when it, it seems like it's okay to tell on someone, well, let me go get rid of my um, competition so he can get away so we can take the territory. You know, so some things are just, you know what? Some things are not going to change. They're always going to be the same. People are still going to talk on the phones knowing that there's wiretaps. They're just going to find different different types of communication, whether it's through satellite, um, whether it's through just, Uh, verbal messages, handwritten messages, whatever it takes to get the job done, they're going to think of those ways to do it. And money, unfortunately, as we all know, as the Bible said, money is the root of all evil. You know, money can't corrupt somebody because it's the temptation. And they got so much money, it's easy for them just to go ahead and drop a million dollars on someone's lap and say, hey, you're a law-abiding citizen, we need you. What do you think that person might do? I mean, there you go. I mean, take that because they got integrity,
2: you
1: right. know. But it makes it it really messes someone up. If they're down in the dumps, they might be doing their research. Mm-hmm. You know that they're, they're, they're not dumb. These organizations are not dumb. These these street gangs are not dumb. These these prison gangs are they're not. I mean. They're dumb, I mean, they're dumb in a sense as far as like they continue to do the same thing. They'll talk on the phones, they'll do all these things and, and not care. But when it comes to knowing how to um, attack a person in a sense of he's down on the dumps or she's down on the dumps, this is how we can utilize this. You know, so they prey on the weakness. Um, uh, it, <clears throat> as far as closing a border, I mean, that's something that's going to be hard. Because they're, they're not only going over the border, they're not going through the border, but they also go under the border. Right. You know, so, you know, to maintain all that, I mean, eventually everything gets caught, but how much do you think has been going through? How much drugs do you think has been going through? Or how many times do you think a person who is a terrorist that have came through the border, you know? So all these things are, are to be concerned about. Can they be prevented I think the United States is doing everything that they possibly can to prevent it you know it's just that these criminals these organizations are always going to find other ways of doing it on that note, especially if they're go
2: ahead I was gonna say on that note you said you know how a lot of the governments are trying to really stop and curb drugs and and putting up bigger fences but there's always ways around it if right. Someone, where it was, say, like, you and your position and your experience and your firsthand knowledge, what would you do if you were in charge to go ahead and stop the flow? Like, what would you do if you had that power, that ability to do? What do you think would be a good option or viable option to go ahead and at least deter or slow it to a snail's pace of drug flow or trafficking or whatnot?
1: Well, it's definitely going to cost more money, you know, as far as for the government to, to shell out to put more focus on certain areas of the border because it's vast, you know, and these criminal organizations, they're, they're thinking of everything. I think that, um, you know, if they were to get more people involved with the, with the Mexican side, which is going to be hard because you really don't know who to trust. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's people over there, but I I don't think it's a lot of people that, the United States has over there that they can trust is very few, you know, but they do need to work hand in hand and they do. And, and, and they do. But at the same time, it's kind of like on the Mexican side, it might be more for show and tell rather than, you know, really mean what business of what they're doing.
2: Okay. Well, let's, let's take that a step further now and incorporate the cartels and the Mexican mafia in U S penitentiaries. No, I know back yes. in the day they were they weren't. They, I think we call them the Border Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but yes, they weren't necessarily part of the same organization. There's, there's business going on, but not full compliance. So when you have, say, a cartel um, member or hitman or whatever in a U.S. prison, how does that work with the Mexican Mafia? How is there protection? Is there fees paid? Is there You know, it's like, well, this guy's a rival cartel that's not doing business with our gang of of the Mexican mafia, so we're gonna go ahead and execute him. Or
1: how does that work? Well, uh, it it all depends. It it all depends. You know, I mean, if there's a cartel member there and I see him, I'm gonna want to know who he is. We're gonna talk. Let's work. Let's do business. You know, so it's it's not a matter of him coming saying, hey. I'm gonna pay you this much, unless he's real older. You know, yeah, he might say, "Hey, I need someone just to watch over me. I got these other people over here on this side that I don't, I don't necessarily get along with. They have the chance to probably take me out. So yeah, um, it would be, it wouldn't be so much of an extortion. It would be more of, let me help you, you help me. You know, let's help each other here. Scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Next thing you know, he's giving you some contacts, and you're in." Excellent. Does that
2: also work for M.A. Uh, in Mexico, like south of the border? Does it work for Mex- uh, Mexican Mafia members? Well, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, Mexican Mafia, you know, there, there's, there's quite a few Mexican Mafia members and associates who do work for the cartel. You know, it's not that they are a cartel. They're just, they're Mexican Mafia. They're Mexican Mafia associates. The cartel needs them because, you know, Mexican Mafia rules these sides of the streets, Especially right there in San Diego. So who else are they going to need? They're going to need those who know the streets, and they call upon them. And sometimes, you know, um, you got Mexican mafia associates who got to go across the border. You know, so they get in contact with with the uh, the cartel members, and that's all that begins. And okay. and and for those and for those who don't all have no criminal background. The U.S. citizens, where well, they, they can go to and from.
0: Right. Those are easy transporters for their business.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. They might not be having a, a car or truck full of dope, but they got some serious sensitive information that can come to the site. And to really stop that, I mean, you need someone on the inside to really know what's going on. And, you know, as we all know, things like that take time to develop. They but do. when they develop and when they develop, you know, it's all worth it. Nothing happens overnight. We all know that nothing happens overnight. It may take a year or two just just to get the big guy that everyone's always looking for or just to somehow get involved in this business.
0: I think about uh, when I had Chris Harris on, he told me that, you know, like China has a long game to destroy America, but after hearing you talk i think the cartel plays a long game too they just want people consumers to buy their drugs to, to make their living and uh they're not forcing anybody to buy the drugs people just want the drugs Absolutely. they want the coke and they want Absolutely. the whatever you guys are or whatever they're selling to the end user which is america and uh america right. either they they're not going to be a consumer of it and uh it'll shut it down but obviously like you said this has been going on for how many years now and uh I remember the Bush exactly. Reagan. He tried shut it down. and It didn't work. And and like Todd said, or not Todd, but um, Chris Harris said that you know China now using these high this more synthetic stuff. They're shipping to the cartel, and the cartel is shipping oh, it up Absolutely. And so
1: yeah, we're,
0: we're yeah. rewarding China still. We know they're doing this stuff, and yet we reward them. <laughs> and they're trying to kill us. Yeah. And cartel mm-hmm. well, we'll be your uh, distribution channel. We'll just pay us. And what do they care? You know, you're, and then people don't realize when I was in, uh, in the Marine Corps, you know, I got exposure in Central South America and knowing how yeah. they live and the cartel is giving them paving the roads, setting up utility grids and getting right. water. I'm like, of course, you're going to support the cartel because they're like a charity organization helping you live a better life. And they offer you a couple hundred bucks to go shoot somebody you never seen that kind of money before exactly. in your life. It's it's a matter of survival of the fittest. And Americans don't understand that concept because we live right. in a bubble. And if you're, you know, a 12-year-old kid and a cartel member goes, hey, go shoot that guy. Here's $100, you know, American dollars. Yeah. Of course, we're going to do it because that's survival. They don't know anything different. They've seen war. In chaos. And so in a psychological standpoint, yeah, Mexico is probably dangerous than Afghanistan and Iraq. Because that's just a way to survive. That's human insight. It doesn't mean they're yeah. in the world or anything. They're just trying to live day to day and eat something. That's just, it's just survival, the Mas, Maslow hierarchy of thinking. And that's psychology one. Right. And I know yeah, exactly. we, everybody beats up on, you know, all these people coming up. Well, if I was from Nicaragua, Venezuela and all that, I'd be coming up at the border too to hop that fence. I want freedom. I want that taste. Yeah. Because my life right, right now sucks because I live in a war zone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean and not everybody that comes across the border is is criminals, right? Right. right you exactly. know we, we, you know, so I mean that's not the fault of them. I mean we got a better country. This yep. is the land of the free. You know, right. it's just it's those other people who take advantage of that. Yep. You know? And that's that criminals, you know, organizations. And and it's kinda hard to weed out. It
0: that, is that that's
1: that's that's the mess of thing. It's kinda hard to weed out.
0: Now, how long were you a shot caller for when you were in? How many how many years did that go for?
1: I mean, was that? Uh, that, that went for quite a few years. That okay. definitely went for quite a few years, for about at least 15 years.
0: Here in Los Angeles?
1: 15, yes. Okay. Yes.
0: So that one must have been uh, living on the edge of your seat every day, you knowing uh, someone's watching you. To...
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you, no you definitely.
0: See, like a team of bodyguards protecting you because you are the shot caller?
1: Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, in certain situations, yeah, you would, especially like county jails, right? Okay. In, in, in county jails, you know, people know who the shot caller was, so obviously, you know, you cut the head off the snake, right? Yeah. So why not go for the shot caller? So yeah, you would always have people around you, especially now with um since they opened up the security housing units, you got mix and general Pop- population yards, um you know, so yeah, they have bodyguards, but even with bodyguards, you know, they use tactics to get them away so they can get killed, and that's what happens, you know, but uh, yeah, especially, you know, on the streets, it's, on the streets, it's, it's much more wide open too, you know, it can come from anywhere, and like I said, you, you can't live in fear, it was just, I've been called one time where they said, hey, um, you know, keep in mind, I have my own vehicle, you know, I have my own house, and you know, a Mexican mafia member called me and says, hey, I'm going to have, uh, you know, my soldiers come pick you up so you can take them to the spot. And I'm thinking, and myself, I got my car. I can take my own self to the spot. They can follow me. I can give them directions, you know. And, um, you know, I you cannot show no cowardice. You know, that could be my last day, you know. Yeah. But I said, okay, you know. But, you know, that day I, I worried about, Okay, if I'm gonna get killed, I don't wanna get killed in front of my house so when my wife walks out, she's gonna be see me laying dead. So I walked down the block and wow. also had a gun. I had a gun. So that was that wasn't it that was in that, that moment was very heightened. You know, it was uh, I felt it and I was ready for it. You know, I walked into it knowing that it can possibly happen, but I'm not gonna go down with the fight. I'm gonna go down with the fight, you know. And um, they picked me up. First thing, you know, I get in the car, and part of the rules are, if they got guns, they got to let you know. And that's the first thing they said. You know, the Mexican mafia member told me to let you know that we got guns in the car. If we get caught or pulled over, it's on us. I told them, thank you. Wow. Did I let them know I had a gun? Absolutely not. You know? <laughs> Absolutely not, right. you know. So, and we went to our destination. Everything was everything was fine, but it's those it's, it's those things that you have in the back of your mind is just gonna be the day, you know. And you're being called to that day. I've been I've been in their shoes too, where I had to go pick people up, knock on the door, and say, "You got to come with us because this Mexican mafia member wants to see you." And what does the guy do? He says, "Okay." He could have went to his room. He could have had a gun on him and just thought automatically that, oh, these guys are going to kill me. And he could have just killed us, you know. But, you know, you feel you feel that you're bulletproof, you know, you don't care. And, and it shows like, like you're macho and you, you got all this false sense of pride and nothing's going to happen to you. And he just got this mindset that it happens, it happens, you know definitely the
2: fearless mindset that's exactly what we're talking about <laughs> yeah
0: right.
1: yeah wow. You definitely got to have
2: a fearless mindset yeah that is insane
0: from fearless and athlete, being frank Muir, ufc two time ufc world champion to yeah. tom brady to to just to live day by day as a shot caller in the, the cartel makes him yeah and how many yeah. how many kills do you do you have under your i don't know if you want to go into that <laughs> 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 we'll keep that off record. Yeah,
2: that, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's that's what's known. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah, let's keep that off record.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, we like, don't So yeah, it's a garbage. you know, it's, a,
1: it's it's a life. It's it, it's it's a mess of life to live in. You know, yeah. but what I do want to say to all this is that you know what, right? I, I do feel sorry for all the things that I've done. You know, because I victimize a lot of people. Wow. You know, and and, and that that's you know. That affected me a lot. That's, so when you talk about a change, I had to really mm. get into myself to be like, you know, what am I doing? Because was that you a know, spiritual transition? Was yes, absolutely. Spiritual, spiritual transitions. I mean, there was okay. things leading up to it, like, okay. you know, the death of my father, the birth of my daughter, mm. knowing that if I ever want to make it out of prison, you know, I got to change my lifestyle. You know, I had a drug habit. So all these things... All these things were messing me up, you know, and I was taught to think a certain way. So that's embedded in your mind. So now you got to change your mindset. You got to change the way you think. Now you got to have compassion as to when before I didn't care. I had no compassion on myself or anybody, you know. So, you know, I I just want I I want the record to be clear on that. You know, I'm not here to Mm -hmm. say, oh, I did this or we did this and this is what I know. You know, I victimized a lot of people. For that, I'm sorry. You know, I, I I truly am.
2: Was this the reason why you ended up leaving Lime?
1: Yes, absolutely. I wanted a better life. I didn't want to victimize anymore. I wanted to give back. You know, I wanted to I wanted to right my wrongs. So That's so, most important. We were talking and about even... Point it, point. Huh? No, go ahead, please. Even, even if I didn't make it out of prison, you know... I was, I was a lifer, so I had to go to the parole board and, you know, one of the hardest prayers that I said to God was, if it's meant for me to spend the rest of my life in prison and to serve you here, then I'm willing to do that. And thank God by the grace of God and only by the grace of God, I'm out here today.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: I'm speechless.
2: <laughs> Which isn't yeah, very often. That was, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And we were actually we were discussing something similar in a previous episode where, you know, a lot of guys who are looking in to get into like executive protection and bodyguard and stuff. And, you know, um, once you once you have the family, once your priorities change, once you want a better life, not only for your spouse, but primarily your children, not so much yeah. yourself, you gotta make those changes. And it it happens on both sides of the fence. It happens on the the good side, the bad side, it happens, you know, and which exactly what you said is is you're like, Hey, I can serve the rest of my life, serving God's purpose in prison and penitentiary. Yeah. If you see fit. However, I'll serve better for my kids, my daughter, my wife, everything. I'll serve that better out in public and being with them. And, And so you made those necessary changes, but you still, if I'm not mistaken, you still have that fearless mindset that doesn't go away. Correct.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you know, I, I can sit here to choose to live in fear for the rest of my life knowing that if someone recognizes me, I can possibly get assassinated, ki- killed, hit, whatever terminology is used. Mm-hmm. Or I can come out here and be a responsible, law-abiding citizen and be a family man, you know?
0: Um, Were you happy you got out and made that move and, you know, found found the Lord in prison and made that conversion yeah. to Christ? And uh, what was that experience like for you emotionally? knowing you're gonna psychologically lead the cartel in the prison and you once you made the conversion and the acceptance of of your that relationship, what was that like for you?
1: It was uh it was an awakening, you know. I, I seen I seen more clearly. And uh I felt good about myself for for a long time I didn't. Mm. You know, but once you know once God comes into your life, and they fill you, in the, and He fills you with Your Holy Spirit, and and you just you just feel you learn to let go. You know, once you once you once you ask for forgiveness, then you got to let it go. You can't continue to hold on to that because that's what the enemy wants, right? That's what the devil wants. He wants to keep you there. He wants you to feel you're no good. You can't ever come back from this. The things you've done. Oh, no, you've been forgiven, and now it's just to move forward. And not to make those same mistakes twice, you know. Get back to the community in any way that you possibly can, and and this is one of my ways that I'm giving back, you know. And not only that, but if it's someone a family member that I can counsel, give advice, suggestion, or just a random stranger on the street, and just give a kind word, you know, these are all things that are that are um, that I feel are the will of God. You know, we got to show uh, love, right? You know, to our neighbors. Amen. So yeah. You know I have a
0: friend by the name of Nico Hill was his name in the underground fighting world was Nico the Dragon Hill 45 credits in Hollywood and he does actually does prison ministries in prisons. Have you heard of that name out there? Nico Hill No, I've never, No, I've never heard of Nico Hill. David That's Hill also he goes by David Hill on Facebook. Yeah. And he does actually prison ministries out there. I I I saw him, yeah. met him in West Hollywood like 8 years ago when he was nephd out. And actually, oh, he was uh, actually the cartel or somebody was using him as a shot caller and taking care of their business because he was a fighter, a former underground fighter, professional fighter. If you looked him up, right. on YouTube, you'd be finding him everywhere on YouTube. Okay. So, but um, yeah, that's quite the, wow, powerful testimony. I mean, I wasn't expecting to hear that. It's exactly the words right in <laughs> my mouth. I wasn't expecting this conversation to go this route,
2: but it's it's very inspiring yeah. at the same time.
0: So what, what are your words of wisdom for those, uh, those guys in, in the cartel and the gangs that, is there anything better than this? I don't want to be shooting people and killing people the rest of my life. And is there hope? What, what is your message to those people listening this or maybe in a gang?
1: You know, there, there is hope and, um, don't be afraid to ask for help, you know? And most of all, if you're going to change, you want to change for yourself. You know, don't don't do it for anybody else but yourself. You you have to do it. You have to want to do it for yourself and know that, you know, it's not too late. It's never too late to change. Doesn't matter how old you are, you can do it. God is with you. All you got to do is call out to him. give you, you will be accepted, and just and live your life. Don't live it for anybody else. Live it for yourself. When you get yourself together. Then you're able to help others.
0: Now, did you find some sort of spiritual, uh, supernatural power when you made that conversion in prison? What gave you that strength out of nowhere? What What happened there?
1: Well, you know, I, I don't think it was like a supernatural power to call it that. I mean, it's just, I mean, I was just, I was just filled with peace. I felt content. I felt happy. You know, it's just um, something that just washes over you. For me, it was just. Something it was the Holy Spirit. That's what I know it
2: to be. Outstanding. Yeah, that's that's very true words. Very few people ever get that chance to feel that way. But like you had mentioned before, you hadn't been happy for many many years, and that was no. the only time you felt it. It's like when you're, con- you know, confined. When you're behind walls, and when you're in fear for your life every day in in a confined space where you can't escape, you can't leave the state, you can't you know pick up, jump in your car and take off because you're afraid. But it takes something like that to go ahead and finally give you peace and to bring you the peace and yes. to change your whole life and, and now leading others to go ahead and leave as well and, and, and do the rest. Right, so you, so you don't have to be afraid.
1: Yeah. You know, what, you know cause that life, that life, you're going to end up dead living that life. You know, you, you know, you end up dead. There's, there's no doubt about it. Continue to live that life. You're going to spend the rest of your life.
0: Still there. I, think we got a bad connection or something Test. test. okay oh, yes i'm here there you are okay so now okay. what do you what are you doing with your life now you you're out of prison you're with your family and living you're being a productive citizen and now since you have like a, a christian walk you're really heavily probably involved yes. with god and church and stuff what does what that what does your life look like now past gang and mexican cartel stuff
1: it looks 110 percent better there you, go. you know, I'm living life I'm enjoying it You know, it's, it's the little things That I didn't get to do that I get to do now You know, I You know, I went to I got arrested when I was 16 years old I went to prison when I was 17 um, I spent a total of 30 years in prison You know I'm 46 now, going on 47 So I'm mean, going to do the math Look how much I didn't experience Now I'm doing that you know, so even even if it's just to go to a Dodger game, Universal Studios, City Walk, Magic Mountain, the beach, you know, um, just being with family, um, you know, it's just it's it's such a blessing. It, it's such a blessing, you know. And I just thank God every day for everything that I have, it because it's because of Him, you know. And um, it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing. It really is. And to have family and friends, uh, support of me and surrounding me is, is the best thing ever.
0: Well, I started this podcast. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure what I was getting into, yes. but I'm like, wow, the story is a, a one of hope inspiration and, you know, inspiration, these, you know, kids, uh, you know, locked up in the house with COVID-19 and yeah. uh, have hope and you listen to your story and now when we can cross over to, you know you got some gang members listening to this possibly and you know we yeah. had frank Muir on i know there's a lot of uh, mexicans that love you know um the gangs that love ufc stuff and then, then we hear your story about you know where you've come where you've gone and um you're basically a miracle in the making if you think about it yeah and uh, what happened in prison sounds like you got out because you went through the, uh, you appeared to the parole board in parole hearing and you go, hey, they heard your story of your transformation and what you've done and they they let you out early.
1: Yeah, and it takes a lot of work. It's just not only that of them listening to the story, but you got to put the work in. There's a lot of self-help groups that they have in -hmm. prison or they have some, I don't want to say a lot, but they do have some. And even if they don't, don't let that be an excuse not to better yourself because you can go to the library. You can ask your family or friends to get your books, or you can ask for books, Mm -hmm. you know, um, read. It's most important. Rehabilitation is, is Mm -hmm. key. You know, you can't put it on the system to rehabilitate you. You got to rehabilitate yourself.
2: Would you say that that is the, the number one piece of advice you can give somebody who's incarcerated right now is to,
1: Absolutely, take the initiative, you know, and I understand, you know what, it's hard in prison, you know what I mean, there's nothing easy about living in prison, because everything that goes on, you see people get killed, you see people kill themselves, you have family dying that you cannot be with, and all these are stressors, you know, all those are stressors, these are the good things to get you depressed, then there's drugs, and then your circle of influence, You know, but you have to really take a step back. And this is where it takes courage to take a step back. All the courage that you had to live the life of being a gang member, a cartel member, a shot caller, whatever it is, all that focus that you had into that, focus it into turning yourself around because you can do it. Um, it, it, It's so important. It's so important to just don't care what other people think do it for yourself because you're doing it for the right reasons if they're truly your friends which you know they're not this is something that they would want you to do definitely it
2: sounds like i know a lot of the experience that you guys have on the street you and reading those books master manipulators how to influence people all those types of of reading materials You know, musashi's five rings you have to be a master manipulator on the streets and in the prison as well, do. incarceration. Absolutely. It, it sounds yes. like you're saying you have to manipulate yourself to be the better person.
1: You have to change. Well,
2: and you have to build it up that way.
1: Yeah, because you know what you you um what you do to yourself when when you when you have this mindset of the way you used to live. And, you know, you're taught that whoever's not like you is a you know piece of crap. They're no good, you know. That's the bottom of the barrel, you know. They they make you feel so little, so you live with that, that I can't be like that. Because if I'm going to be like that, they're going to call me a punk or they're going to call me all these different names. So you start believing that. So you have to get into yourself, and like you said, you do have to manipulate yourself into that sense. But you're doing it for the good. You're not doing it for the bad. You're not trying to get over on anybody. You know, who doesn't want longevity in their life who doesn't want to get out of prison but no if you want to get out of prison and you want to get out that lifestyle then you have to make those changes those are necessary steps that a person has to take in their life mm-hmm. to think positive to do good to treat others right and what kind of
0: what kind of uh influence has you you uh, did you become a christian in uh prison is that what happened you said you've found god and all that what yeah what yes yeah I, how is that involved in your life presently
1: oh man it, it's so good it's so good when i have the time i attend church when i'm not working you okay. know or um i watch it on youtube you know i, I go to my <laughs> church it's okay. on youtube i if i if i miss it on a certain night i can catch it there Got it. i still have my bible i i still I still remember I still remember my verses, you know. The there's a couple of verses that I cite every morning, you know, that, that just keeps me grounded and I and being thankful verses? to God. Um uh let me tell you. Okay. Uh cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I shall walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my king and my God. For to you I will pray my voice you shall hear in the morning. I shall direct it to you and I will look up. Those verses right there from Psalms just stay with me and, and it helps me throughout my days. And even if it's not the morning, you know I'll say it for the afternoon or for the night in our Father's prayer. And you know I'm not perfect. I might cuss or I might do something, but you know I and I ask for forgiveness because I can't hold on to that. You know you 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 know no one's perfect. You know, we're all sinners in some ways, you know, so. Did you
0: find the ability to forgive yourself through, of course, what Christ did for you, the ability to forgive your past and move forward? Was that the key for you?
1: Yes, that's a key. That's for me. Yeah, that's definitely a key. That's definitely a key because I'm not proud of anything Mm -hmm. that I've done wrong in my past. I was harmful to others.
0: Wow well, this, this show went a different direction. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, well, okay. Wow. I think it went better than we ever expected. Yeah. I'm like, just hearing the, the passion in your voice, the conviction in your voice, the passion and inspiration and the hope in your voice tells the audience that there is hope out there. Even if you're in crime, if you're in the cartel or, you know, you're a kid and dealing with, you know, PDSD issues with the military that it doesn't matter what walk of life you are, everybody needs hope. Everybody needs that yes. gift of knowing where they're heading. And you, I can hear it in your voice that you your life has dramatically changed. Yes, and it you know, has. And, and then when I asked you about how many kills did you have, I'm like, wait a minute. That's not a proper question to ask somebody that's made a life change. So I apologize for that. No, and, no I
1: understand.
0: I get it. And no, uh, no, now no. I'm, I'm just thrilled that we didn't go there because... I, I didn't realize I opened open up a new can of worms of your new life, which is gives you inspiration and hope of being with your family and having God in your life. And it's just absolutely basically a walking miracle.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And there's plenty of miracles out there. Right. You know, we just don't know about and they're up and coming miracles. Right.
0: Wow. Well that um I don't want to take too much time of your time. Um I'm glad you came on because this was not no what problem. I was expecting. This is much 1,000 times better. It just went really good. And, I mean, there's some information out there. You gave some insights on what's going on in the world. But just having hope um, for the future and, you know, knowing where you stand and your value and your belief system, that's crucial in living yeah. life. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, any anytime, Any time. Any time. I, I enjoyed the time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you. I appreciate it very much. Sleepy,
2: we appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll be in contact soon. Thank you. All right, and thanks for coming thank
0: you, on the sir. show. Thanks for your time.
1: Bye. All right, God bless you. Have a good day. Right. Bless you, you too. Can. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye. And that is a wrap, folks, on the Fearless Mindset Podcast. And uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Yeah, I was not expecting that. So, thank you. When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast. We're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode.